1: This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, Joe Biden's $700 million plan and a familiar former mayor who's backing it up, one-time presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg.
2: The reality is uh, we can't afford not to make these investments or we will see the economy stagnate.
1: And Arthur Brooks, Harvard professor and contributor to The Atlantic, how America can move past the pandemic and how free market conservatives can feel okay about it.
3: There's only a private sector solution because capitalism the free market economy are what's pulled us out of every crisis ever.
1: It's Thursday, July 9th, 2020. Squawk Box begins right now.
4: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
5: Presumptive uh, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden rolling out his economic policy today. He's going to travel to Pennsylvania near his hometown of Scranton. The agenda slogan is, quote, build back better. His campaign team says that Biden will prioritize small business workers and plans to focus on inequalities that prevent minorities from reaching a fair economic playing field. We're going to hear a lot more about the plan from Biden campaign surrogate Pete Buttigieg, who's going to join the Squawk Team.
6: And just trying to remember that uh, broadcast news. Uh, brought, what is it? Bring back better. That's a lot of alliteration. For remember that quote from broadcast news. I can't remember what it was, but uh, yeah, bring back better. a lot of bees. A lot of bees there.
1: Build back. Better is the name of the former vice president's economic recovery plan. That is the work of a task force between Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders. The key idea bring critical manufacturing back to the United States with incentives for companies and $700 billion in earmarked funding for government contracts, for American firms, and research and development. The campaign says this will create 8 million new jobs. If that sounds similar to President Trump's platform, it is. Uh,
2: does anybody want this plan? Thank you very much. Thank you all for being here. appreciate
1: it. Last year, Trump signed an executive order that would prioritize American manufacturers in certain federal contracts. But the Biden campaign says Trump's efforts aren't working and contracts to foreign companies are up 30 percent. Vice President Biden has said he'd raise $3.8 trillion by increasing taxes on individuals making more than $400,000 a year and reversing corporate tax cuts. Now, this rollout today will include a speech outside Biden's hometown of Scranton, Pennsylvania, and his one-time rivals from the Democratic primary race, remember that, it was just a few months ago, are turning out in force today to support the former vice president and his plan. One of them joined us on Squawk Box, Mayor Pete, the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete
6: Buttigieg. Here's Joe. I'm just gonna call you Mayor Pete. I guess we all just feel comfortable. <laughs> we feel comfortable. That's what everybody
2: does around here, so we feel, comfortable feel comfortable thanks to for
6: having me uh, All right, Mayor Pete, I'm gonna do that. So we, we understand uh, the primary process, and, and you understand it as well as anyone, and we've seen it on both sides. Sometimes there is a tendency to move towards the, the respective bases with some of the programs. Uh, And then when when it comes to governing, maybe you become more centrist. And and I'm just going to tell you, here's the headline for this, Mayor Pete. Uh, Biden to map an economic path delaying progressives' biggest plans. And and I think Kayla alluded to it, that uh, he's going to call for a moderate approach towards reviving the U.S. economy. Is that how you see it? And is that the right prescription to win?
2: Well, I think there's a lot of boldness in the level that Vice President Biden wants to invest in America. And I think that's uh, not only a progressive priority, but uh, something that uh, people across the aisle can get on board with, too. I think it's in keeping with uh, Joe Biden's instincts to bring people together. But I think it's also, in practical terms, what makes sense for the economy. We need to invest in our own competitiveness, both in order to grow here at home and in order to compete with uh, increasingly powerful economic competitors like China. We need to make sure we're less dependent on supply chains for critical goods and infrastructure, like we're seeing right now with with pharmaceutical issues on countries like China. And we need to make sure that American workers come first. Uh, To me, that's bedrock for what the Democratic Party is about. But I do agree with you that you you don't have to be a rock-rear Democrat to see why this is a good economic policy.
6: Well, some of the plans were pretty expensive, uh, as you know, and it it was pre-pandemic and it was Mm pre-25 trillion, wherever we are right now. So this has cost a lot and inflicted a lot of, of economic damage and you know we're hopefully we're going to come out of this but it might take years so i mean is there something to that that it's not the we're not in the same position to be able to maybe be as as, as free spending with some of the democratic programs do you think do, do, do you agree with that and and, and we're going to need to try to pay down some of this debt with higher taxes
2: well, you know, as, as Democrats go, I've, I've been one of the first to talk about uh, deficits and the debt. But the reality is uh, we can't afford not to make these investments or we will see the economy stagnate. And since we're in a moment of historically low interest rates and since uh, these kinds of investments, every time America has done them, have paid off investing in our competitiveness, in our infrastructure, in our manufacturing base. Uh, frankly, they have a much higher rate of return than tax cuts. So, as economic stimulus goes, I think this is the right way forward. Of course, we've got to be smart about the investments that we make. And of course, you can't get something for nothing. Uh, but if you look at the uh, overall picture of where our economy is headed, uh, we, we don't have a choice and we can handle these kinds of investments if we make them before it's too late. So, so Mayor Pete, I, the, I
6: think that lowering corporate taxes helped. Corporations become more competitive, bring money back I think it it was somewhat responsible for what were pretty good economic times before the pandemic in terms of historically low unemployment rates across the board uh, and, and uh, some of the deregulation uh, the The vice president is going to reverse the so, at least a portion of the corporate tax cuts. Do, do you not think that, uh, that, that that plan helped with the economy? Do you, do you disagree that lower corporate rates were, were a boom for the U.S. economy and it won't matter to reverse them for jobs? Yeah,
2: I'm very skeptical that uh, those rate cuts should get most of the credit. And by the way, those rate cuts read, led directly to exploding deficits. And it's part of the reason why, oddly enough, not to be too partisan about this, but across my lifetime, 100% of Democratic presidents have seen Uh, deficits go down, and 100% of Republican presidents have seen deficits go up. Look, you can't get something for nothing. And what we've got to decide is what's a responsible level of taxes that will deliver the kind of investments that make an economy competitive. And this isn't something we have to just uh, use our imagination for. We can look at the evidence. And the evidence uh, across American history is that when we're making robust investments with responsible but not excessive taxation, the economy grows.
6: But it just i, I we 've talked about it earlier that right now, with where American business is and how important it is to get the unemployment rate back down, uh, it seems like not the the most ideal time to raise corporate taxes now we 're going to need to pay down a lot of what we 've spent and, and maybe you know you 'd ra- raise it on wealthy individuals, but that may not raise enough either. Are you for a blanket raise in the marginal rate, and to what level do you think or do you think what, what would you? advise vice president biden to propose for a marginal rate across the board
2: well uh uh, i would advise him to look at at, uh, the evidence and find uh, levels of taxation that are consistent with growth as they have been historically now of course in american history the economy has grown much quicker under much higher marginal tax rates but i don't think we have to go back to what it was like in the in the 60s or in the 70s even though again Uh, That was a period of, uh, in in many of those uh, phases, a lot of productivity growth. Uh, Look, the bottom line is uh, you've got to pay for what you get, and we should be able to strike a balance in the United States. But what we can't do is continue with these deficit-exploding tax cuts uh, that we were told would pay for themselves. You can check. They didn't. And uh, now, you know, that was before we got to the situation we are now with the deficit. It's why we need to make sure we're looking at the investment side as well as the cost side. And what I really appreciate about the plan that the vice president's laying out is it does both.
5: Mayor Pete, uh, just wanted to, we we wrestle with this issue of taxes all the time. So I just wanted to press you on two two questions related to it. One is just simply the timing of a tax increase. And it's the question we asked the vice president when he joined us uh, uh, now more than a couple weeks back. And he said he would do it immediately even amidst this. And The question I'd say is, to the the extent there are small business owners out there right now that are clearly struggling and trying to get up on their feet, uh, seeing a tax increase right in front of them, just make the case, if if that's the case you want to make, in terms of the timing.
2: First of all, of course, there's going to be a look at conditions on the ground. I mean, The last four months have shown us in really blunt terms how quickly things can change. And I know that a new administration will make sure that every step it takes is is consistent with what the right thing is to do based on what we see around us. But what we also know is that small business will benefit from the kinds of investments that the vice president is proposing, uh, and that uh, this country will be a more competitive one and a more economically successful one. When we're investing in the foundations, no country can get away with disinvesting in education and infrastructure and research the way we have for very long. And the longer you go disinvesting in all that, the, the, the uh, sooner it's gonna catch up to you for small and big business alike. And uh, you know we've already reached a, a point where uh, even when there were low unemployment right. rates, uh, the American standard of living was uh, not secure. Life expectancy going down. It raises questions about uh, how our economy has been lined up. This is a historic uh, opportunity uh, to make sure that it's working for more Americans.
5: And Mayor Pete, I just want to follow up with with the other big debate we have around this table a lot uh, is about wealth, the the wealthy and philanthropy. Uh, Yesterday, um, Warren Buffett gave away two point nine billion dollars. And which is a great thing. And and philanthropy, by the way, has helped even during this pandemic in a meaningful way. Uh, But oftentimes those shares are never taxed, as we all know. And so the government will never be a beneficiary and other taxpayers won't be a beneficiary Uh, of those successes. Do you think philanthropy should be taxed in any way?
2: Well, I think uh, it would make more sense for that to happen on the front end. Look, it's it's wonderful when there are these major commitments, uh, generous commitments by uh, individuals. But uh, we've also got to ask how things got so unequal in the first place, because if a little bit more of that was making its way uh, into a democratically guided process, in other words, the kinds of uh, research and development that uh, that invent trillion dollar ideas like the internet itself and, and space travel. Our uh, we know our country's better off, and uh, we got to ask where the balance is. I would argue. Uh, look, think about it this way: in the United States right now, there is not one county, not one, where a full time minimum wage worker can afford a two bedroom apartment. We're talking about somebody who works for a living in a job full time can't afford a two-bedroom apartment. I would argue that if that weren't the case, if we had higher wages and more public investment, we wouldn't need to lean on philanthropy quite as much as we did.
4: Hey, Mayor Pete, uh, the one thing that Vice President Biden's plan has in common with President Trump's is that it it really leans into Made in America, And, and not just from a position of rhetoric, there looks like there are going to be real incentives and real penalties to companies if they're not making things in America. Do you think globalization is dead?
2: I don't think uh, we have to choose between closing ourselves off and investing in our own country. Uh, On the contrary, I think in a global uh, uh, market, we are more competitive when we are uh, starting uh, right here at home. Look, uh, Made in America is really good news, uh, and the Vice President's Buy America uh, initiative is really good news for us here in the so-called Rust Belt, where we know that we are capable uh, of producing some of the finest goods in the world, but there are so many loopholes, there are so many waivers in the system. Uh, and as uh, I think you've, you all have reported, you know, offshoring has actually gone up uh, an awful lot under this administration. Uh, so I, I don't view this as, uh, uh, as like the, uh, the president kind of picking a fight with every country we can. Uh, I view it as an opportunity for us to make sure that taxpayer dollars benefit American firms and workers first. Uh, and then, of course, be, because we're so confident in uh, the, the quality of our, our workers and our products, we can go out into a global marketplace and win there, too.
6: Mayor Pete, I, I was just trying to figure out, I, checking some of your math on the, on the Democrats in terms of the deficits. Just, I, I mean... I know that the, uh, President Obama tried to bring down the yearly deficit, but he added quite a bit of, of debt over the eight years, I mean, more than Can, his can predice- you
2: name me one Democratic president who served in my lifetime who uh, left office with a bigger deficit
6: than no, I'm not talking about deficit. I'm talking about adding total debt. We went from $10 okay. trillion to almost $20 trillion under the Obama administration. That's, that's my only point. I mean, that, I mean that, that's a little bit
2: of, of debt, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that's cyclical, of course, because he took office uh, at at the trough of the, up until now, the the worst economic shock in my lifetime. But, yeah, look, again, I think we should, frankly, more than is sometimes fashionable in in my party, I think we should pay attention to things like deficits and the debt. But the way we pay attention to them is to balance spending and taxes and also in a moment like this okay. not to be afraid to make the investments that are going to keep our economy growing
6: we, we got to run our, our where will we see you next if, if the vice president does uh, does win uh, could, is there a job you, can you tell us what what looks good what 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 you got your eye on
2: you know, right now, I've got my eye on making sure he does win. And then I'll do whatever I can to support the Biden administration, whether right. it's an opportunity to serve inside the government or, or on the outside in some way. Uh, Mayor, we've all got to make ourselves useful right
6: now. The, the, I'm going to go with the Mayor Judge for the formal uh, goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. We appreciate it, Mayor Pete.
1: Next on Squad Pod, does college help build happiness? college dropout turned classical musician turned harvard professor and author arthur brooks explores how to build a fulfilled life whether it's on a university campus or a wheat farm in idaho and what makes it all uniquely american
3: entrepreneurs saying it's all about starting a business that's the entrepreneurial economy wrong the american experience is the startup life
1: what's on the horizon for financial markets This is Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan.
6: You got to listen to this. This uh, to Arthur coming up here, Andrew. I don't know if you read all the notes, but I would like to just talk about his son. But we got to talk about important other things. The pandemic has colleges reevaluating their uh, plans for this fall. Some say classes will be held other online. Others say campus will be open, leading to a lot of questions about learning. Uh, in the age of Zoom. Our next guest is a contributing writer for The Atlantic. He recently wrote about the value of college and whether it truly brings happiness as part of how to, is how to build a life series, which if I had known that, I would have ordered it because people constantly tell me I need a life. Um, I, 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 maybe I can, is it a, pr- a primer on that? Uh, there's a, a 12-step program, Arthur. Arthur Brooks uh, joins us this morning. He's also a, a professor at Harvard and American Enterprise Institute President Amer- Emeritus. always great to see you, Arthur. And I, I'll, <clears throat> I'll tell you, we got to talk about getting back the work and the pandemic and all these things, but just philosophically, I always like talking to you because you're so positive and you could be my, you know, I could I could use you. I'd like to lay down on a couch like once a week and talk <laughs> to you, uh, really, I would. So you're, you come from a family of academics. You're, your father yeah. was a professor, you're a professor, grandfather was a professor. Your first son, you know, valedictorian, goes to some great college. Second son says, I don't want to go to college, dad. And and you're like, what do we do? So you go back and forth. You finally back him on his decision and he goes and gets a great job outdoors in Idaho. And as you said, is tired every day, gets up early, fully lives life. Does that for a while and then joins the Marine Corps, which you always want to do. What is wrong with that? And what can we learn Nothing. from that? What can we learn? We from can learn that a lot economy? from that.
3: You know, we've been we have this culture. Of, and by the way, Joe, you're welcome on my couch. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> and it's uh, you brighten my day every time I talk to you. So it's not just one way, man. It's uh, I love talking. to you. I too. appreciate that. Arthur. Thank you. So. My boy, Carlos, I mean, he's uh, he, he really broke the mold. And here, here's the deal. I mean, my wife and I, we, we both dropped out of school. I, I was a classical musician for a long time. She actually uh, quit high school to sing in a rock band, which is not something, you know, for all the young people listening, this is not what I recommend. But, you know, we so we're pretty free thinkers on this. But, you know, our son went to this pretty nice preparatory school, and, and he comes to us about this time two years ago. and says, Dad... I don't want to go to college. I can't face it. I just can't face it anymore. And so he went out and he got this job working 12, 14 hours a day on a wheat farm in Idaho and did that and made a bunch of money. And then he joined the Marines. And he's, you know, he he built his own life. And here's the key thing that he really taught me. Uh, each of us has an enterprise under our control. We think of startups, you know, people watching Squawk Box, the best show on TV, for sure. A lot of entrepreneurs saying it's all about starting a business. That's the entrepreneurial economy. Wrong. The American experience is the startup life. Each one of us has all of this stuff under our control. We can build our own lives and, and America won't come back. Really, the way where it should be. America won't be truly great until each one of us lives the startup life, like my, car, my my son Carlos taught me to live, and it was a huge learning experience for me. And I tell you, I couldn't be prouder of him.
6: Yeah, you even tried to find out whether college brings happiness, and you said there's a a slight correlation, but it, it wasn't a, a double blind study. You don't you know you, you don't know what other things are going on in a person's life that correlates with going to. There, there may be no correlation whatsoever. Although we're not saying don't go to college, people seem to. To have more productive life, I, I don't know. That's what I've been told. It, it made me think about yeah. it, it. So how are we going to reopen, Arthur? Let's get back to, to the task at hand right now in terms of the schools. And Harvard is, is trying to deal, deal with that. So is Penn. So are, uh, you know, middle schools, elementary schools. Everybody has got the, the, this issue to do it safely because we all want to do it, though.
3: Yeah that's right and and you know the, the the big problem with it it really isn't to a very large extent just the liability around the students it has to do with the faculty so you know up here at Harvard I'm like the youth movement it's uh, and I'm 56 it's just a lot of the professors are at real risk if they contract covid and and so they they can't be you know we can't put the faculty in the position of of interacting with a lot of people that might be carriers of this disease so the college here at Harvard is splitting up the freshmen and seniors and then most of the graduate schools are entirely by Zoom. And that's the way it looks like it's going to be in 2021. And that seems like the safest option, at least to the administrators. But we can't do this forever. I mean, Goldman Sachs has been really clear that, that the most important thing based on their research and, and my colleagues at AEI, and then, you know, you have Scott Gottlieb on a lot, masking is the most important thing that you can do. Social distancing as, as, as prudent, but the idea of constant shutdowns, especially start and stop, start and stop, that's, uh, that's not a great policy.
6: You know, Arthur, I don't think I've talked to you about about, you know, how to be a free market A.E.I. capitalist in an age where uh, earlier this week we heard the government gave one point six billion dollars to develop a vaccine. We've got P.P.P. The government is saving our collective butts. And and it does the government do do free market types get a one once in a hundred year pass on saying that that uh, that everything should be settled in the marketplace because we've, uh, I, sw- I think I said there's no capitalists in, in, uh, in, in foxholes, in pandemic foxholes.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that Adam Smith always talked about is that there's certain roles for government. And one of those roles is the creation of public goods, which will be underproduced by private markets or, you know, crime or pollution or monopoly. Those are legitimate functions for government. The problem is not that. The problem is not that the government is trying to help us find a vaccine against the pandemic. The problem is that the government is in every nook and cranny of our lives and growing by the second. That's the real problem. So you can be a free market conservative like you, Joe, and say, look, Absolutely. The government should do national security up one side and down the other. The government should do these policies, should help us develop a vaccine and at the same time shouldn't control every element of our lives. Those are completely consistent philosophies. All
6: right. So you you, see this is I'm I'm thinking about like laying down and let let, let you tell me how to think about a lot of these things, because I struggle. (laughs) I struggle uh, with a lot of these things. Is there a private sector solution? Uh, a growth solution out of this uh, this morass, this th- that we find ourselves in, in terms of uh, twenty five trillion dollars uh, you know, defi- or, uh, debt and, and the Fed and everything
3: else. Yeah, there's only a private sector solution because capitalism and the free market economy are what's pulled us out of every crisis ever. Now, that doesn't mean the government doesn't have a role. The government has a very important role but the idea of the government saving the economy that's that's not correct who would you raise government ta- can do a
6: who, lot. who would you raise taxes on right now um, Arthur would you raise taxes on corporate I, I mean I'm starting to think we need to raise taxes on somebody but corporations are the ones I don't know if those are the things we need to rescind those tax cuts because that's why you know it brings jobs back hopefully and 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 you know and creates jobs but Somebody, middle class and upper class, we, we need a tax hike probably to
3: pay for this. No? Yeah, but there's another way to do it, too. I mean, I agree with that. But there's one thing that we haven't thought of before. How much, how many assets does the federal government own that it actually could divest itself of and, 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 and inject those into the private sector economy to productive and efficient use? We need to be thinking more carefully, more seriously about all the stuff that the federal government owns that's worth trillions and trillions of dollars. This is our... Joe, this is our privatization moment when we can actually pay back some of the, the money that we've that we've uh, that we've spent, and at the same time get a better economy—the economy that we that we really should have and we wanted uh, from the very beginning. This is a this could be look. We're going to have to pay more, but this could also be a win-win with respect to the federal government shrinking.
6: Okay, uh, I have a an Ivy League person once once in here to, to a co-Ivy leaguer. Andrew. No, Arthur. It's to the same. It's to the same
5: issue that that, that Joe Joe is talking about in terms of taxes, yeah. which is I think that there are people who look at this particular moment and say we created uh, effectively an insurance policy for corporations. Shouldn't they have to pay effectively a premium on that insurance? Um, and by the way, we've done that for the businesses, but we haven't necessarily done that at the same level for individuals and their health care and all these other these all these other component mm-hmm. parts. I'm with Joe, actually, in that I don't know if raising taxes on corporations is necessarily the right answer insofar as it makes it harder to employ more people. I do wonder whether the wealthiest among us need to pay more in the same way that workers, uh, frontline workers especially, you know, went 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 to work in hospitals and went to work at uh, the cash registers at uh, at Walmart. And that was their contribution during this pandemic. And that those of us who've who who've, who've been blessed to, 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 to make money during this period should, should that our contribution should be in the form of higher taxes. What do you think of that? I think that
3: we're that's going to wind up what happens anyway. I think you know. We'll, ultimately, the, the government is going to have to find some way to float what we've done uh, fiscally. And they're going to go where the money actually is, which is with the people who are making the most money. So whether that's the moral solution or not, I think that's the practical solution. And that's where things are going to wind up. We're going to wind up with marginally higher tax rates. I think we're going to find uh, you know a new way of actually tax. We're probably going to have to be more c- creative about how we tax consumption better with some carve outs for people who are really at the margins. I think that's where we're going to wind up. So whether someone likes it or not, not i think that that's what
6: we're going to get so you're a french french horn player the barcelona uh, orchestra yeah. now you're professor mm-hmm. one of your sons is working 16 hours on a wheat farm and he's now in the marine corps Does he take after your wife can you there's no way you could do any of those things brooks
3: they're, they're, yeah they're, i don't know yeah that's true what
6: about your french horn fingers if you're out there mending fences it's not not happening i'm for telling you, you.
3: No, it's not. It's not happening. I'm a, I'm a delicate soul, Joe. I know you are. Look, I'm an artistic type. Yeah, right. what, what can I tell you?
6: I know. So, okay, <laughs> well, we got to go. Uh, I'm going to turn it, but. but. When you say that Squawk Box, best show on television, I mean, you're talking just cable or, or were you talking across
3: the board? That, what about streaming and all these other things? So you mean. I'm talking universally. I mean, the okay. people who are not watching us, these are the people who are missing out, not just on tips on actually how they can become more prosperous, but how they can become happier. Right. Everybody should be watching. Yeah, you
6: wrote a book about how we all got to get along. How's that working?
3: It's, uh, you know, it's working we're for me progress. in my life, and I want it to work for you. I want I'm it to trying. work for you, Joe. I'm
6: trying. We're trying, but <laughs> it, it's just... Love a- everybody. Come on, man.
3: Okay. Love everybody.
6: Disagree, but uh, you can disagree without being disagreeable. How's that? That's uh,
3: Not only that, you can disagree and love people more. It's a miracle, actually. Right. And this is ultimately what... Look, okay. we're going in the wrong direction, but I see better times ahead.
6: Good. That's optimistic. Thank you. We're one day closer to whatever is coming. Uh, hopefully not that freight train headed right at us. Anyway, thank you, uh, Arthur. Uh, I'll toss it over to you now. Thanks, Joe. Thank okay.
4: I love Arthur. Feel the love, Joe. Just feel it.
1: More Squawk Pod when we come back.
0: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, Packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx Service Guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.
1: You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC with Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin.
6: Here's Joe. How far does a Tesla go? Can you go on a? Have you thought about that, you guys? How far can you, you can't get across country? So you can't go. Tesla, on, you can do
5: about to about 250 miles before. But you know, yeah. on the system, if you have a Tesla, Joe, is they tell you on the map where the next Tesla charging station is, so That's you could drive and it's to the fast. station, it's go a fast to you know. Now, how right? long does
4: it take to charge? What's the fastest I, charge you got?
5: I don't know if you get the full tank, but I think you can. I think if you do it for, for 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you can you can get a you know a good 100 200 miles out of it. Yeah,
6: Waffle House. <laughs> it they is not a car you're taking
4: on a cross country trip for. Put the one put of these the chargers hour drives.
6: near a Waffle House. You know, you think I don't think about these things. (laughs) I think the idea. Right. You think I don't think about these things, huh?
4: You don't. You don't do car rides with young kids. We don't stop. We get up at you know three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, and you drive, and you bring your stuff with you because an extra you know hour or two hours on the road. No, thank you.
6: I can definitely kill twenty minutes at a Waffle House. Tone.
4: You know what I bought recently? My
6: eyes. I could do that morning and the afternoon. Biscuits with gravy twice. We
4: bought a, a luggable loo. A what? A luggable loo is the toilet. It's a luggable loo. It's like a bucket with a toilet seat on it. You bring it along, um, because if you're going on a long road trip and you don't want to in go to the restrooms. yeah, that's in the great, weather. Becky.
6: That's uh, just why. Why go to a? Why I go to a co- restroom? <laughs> just do it right in the car. That's awesome. I, I want to correct myself, you don't have guys. You
4: are children anymore? You talking about quail,
6: Matt? That's disgusting. No, I'm talking
4: about young children. Oh, oh, you dummy. oh,
6: oh okay. All right. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway, guys, but, what,
5: just so you know, <laughs> just so you know, on a Model S, I was wrong. On a Model S, yeah. on a single charge, four hundred. If you have the long range Model S, apparently, you can go four hundred and two miles. Four hundred. That's better. So that's impressive. Four hundred and two miles. Yeah. That's a ways. Is that's, the EPA rating
6: right? And if the Model S can do that in about an hour and a half. So that's that's uh, that's that's pretty good. If you if you put it on uh, whatever that is,
5: um, what's that speed Autumn. called? Ludicrous mode. Ludicrous mode.
6: Ludicrous mode. All right.
1: That's the podcast for today on our rundown tomorrow. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the leader of America's third largest city, says the COVID crisis has pushed urban neighborhoods down, but not out. People are slowly starting
4: to come back into cities, and cities really are where it's at. The vibrancy of the cultural life, you can't replicate that anyplace else.
1: Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern, subscribe to Squawk Pod, share this podcast with a friend, and send us your thoughts on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. Squawk! We'll meet you back here tomorrow.